Hi, welcome to the Project of You. I am Azita, your counselor, psychotherapist, and behavioral therapist. And I'm Nusha, not a therapist, just in need of one. <laughs> and aren't we all? Yes, uh, we can all benefit from therapy and mental health support. As we go on our journeys, you know, everyday life. Yeah, that's why we created this platform, to help you make sense of some of life's most difficult experiences. As always, um, this podcast is not a proper diagnosis. If you need proper support, please reach out to us on our website for a session or reach out to your own um, mental health care supporters. Yeah, and we had another request for today's episode from Lynn. Love the podcasts. I recently learned about different attachment styles. Could you do an episode about that? Yes, absolutely. It's a great topic. Great topic. Yes. Well, I've heard of attachment styles too. What are they? What do they mean? Okay, great. Let's first start by defining attachment for those that haven't read about attachment yet. Um, John Bowlby Um, a famous psychologist did a lot of research into this topic and he found that there's four characteristic um, to attachment. Oh yeah, I've read about this. He said, okay, so there's proximity, so like Mm -hmm. the desire to be close to someone or something. Exactly. Proximity maintenance. Yes. The desire to be near the people or objects that we are attached to. And then there's safety Correct. he says yeah yes yeah, so or safe heaven so in times of distress or fear this person or object gives us a sense of safety and and comfort you see that in kids having safety blankie for example yeah. or a you know a rabbit toy that always carries yeah and i've actually seen adults still holding on to their childhood toy and it's this janky old thing that they still sleep mm-hmm, with mm-hmm, yes and i actually don't recommend that parents do this um for extra creating you know the bonding especially at the beginning of birth yeah yes you can leave a piece of your clothes the mother clothes with with your smells you know a t-shirt that you wear yeah. a couple of days you leave it with the child um in to, the crib, to, in the crib yeah. to have your smells that that will create extra um you know bonding with the child and it feels so the child can feel your presence when you are not there mm. that will create a bit more security um, but do not replace yourself with an object or a toy to make your child feel loved and yeah. safe that isn't a good idea at all. Yeah, it's not great when an inanimate object is what gives a child a sense of security. That's that's exactly right. Um, that's actually the next one, a yeah. secure base. So this person or object gives you the security that allows you to be confident to explore, to go out, and know that you have a secure base to return to when you need it. Wow, so I assume... A healthy relationship with your parental figure would fall into that. Yes. So kids do this organically. They will go run and play and then come back and touch their mother mm. or see their mother. It's the knowledge that you have a safe place to always return to. And even your spouse or friends can act as a secure base for you. Mm. And the last one that Balbi says is... 
for attachment to be there, there's usually this like separation anxiety, I think yes, you said. Yeah. Yes, separation distress or yeah. separation anxiety. There is a sense of anxiety that occurs in that absence of that person or object. Wow. Okay, so based on those, we then have your actual attachment style. Yes. When we say attachment style, in therapy, we are referring to the way you engaged in relationship with not just other people, but with objects, sometimes feelings and even concepts. Yeah. It's very closely linked to your nervous system. So your body actually has a chemical reaction to, atta- to attachment. Did That's you know so that? interesting. Yes. It's very interesting because it gives a lot of insight into who you are as a person and maybe even what your childhood was like. So what are the different styles of attachment? Okay, so we have four different styles of attachment. There is secure, ambivalent, anxious, and disorganized. How do you know (laughs) which one you are? Well, you know, there are some online quizzes that people can do, but I always tell my clients, you're not only one thing at a time. People are complex and you may have an anxious attachment with one person. For example, you know, your your mom or your dad, but then have a secure attachment with another. It could be yeah. your partner. So don't put yourself in one box category, yeah. category and say, I'm this, because you mm. can behave differently in different settings. Yeah, and different it can evolve people. different times. Well, secure attachment, I can assume, <clears throat> means a very stable, comfortable, rational relationship. Mm-hmm. But what are the other ones? Okay. There is ambivalent attachment, which is a reluctance to become close to people. And when you do become close, you're often afraid the relationship will end. There is mm. an overarching worry at all time. And because of that, there's a lot of walls up to protect themselves. These people will find it difficult to get close in the relationship mm. and express their vulnerability. See, I've dated people like this yeah. and it is not fun. I bet you it's yeah. not. Yes. And it's often mistaken for avoidant attachment. Avoidant people have a lot of problems with intimacy. The first yeah. to begin to begin with they don't invest in social and romantic relationships they don't like sharing their feelings and unlike ambivalent people they don't experience much distress when a relationship ends yeah but that means they also never experience love closeness or closeness or intimacy yeah they so always they, just, they, they prefer also, casual they prefer yeah. casual relationships, casual friendships. Yeah, they're almost... Yes, their they're relationship almost never goes to a deep, deeper level. Deeper level. So they're exactly. almost completely detached. In a way, yes. And then we have disorganized attachment. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that sounds scary. It's basically a very chaotic and unpredictable approach into relationship. These people crave intimacy but also reject it. They pull you in, but then they push you away. Oh, my God. I've dated people like this too. Yes. And look, they're not 
bad people. No, they're no. deeply confused, yes. and I assume very traumatized. Absolutely. And you taught me that, which mm-hmm. is a lesson I really carry with me. Mm-hmm. Understanding that people aren't just a certain way because they're mean or mm-hmm. awful. Mm-hmm. Something has happened to them, mm-hmm. and they're a result of never having properly healed yes. from those wounds. Yes, exactly. And when you realize that, you stop taking things so personally. Yeah. That's the power of that realization. Yeah. You understand that the way people behave, the way they treat you, treat others, treat themselves, mm. it's not about you. It's not your fault. It's not your shortcoming. It's them. Yeah. They have things that they need to work through. And it's unfortunately driving their behavior, which isn't to say we should excuse harmful behavior. Mm. In fact, if you have an anxious attachment style and you have a relationship with people who treat you very poorly, very inconsistently, it's actually reinforcing that anxiety. So if you're avoidant, for example, or mm-hmm. anxiously attached, mm-hmm. Is there a way to become secure? Yes. Therapy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. Seriously, though. And I say that because often, not always, but often, mm-hmm. your attachment style develops in your childhood. So mm-hmm. if you wonder where is it coming all coming from, yeah. It's that. The roots are in yeah. childhood. Yes. It's, it's reflection of the very first relationship you ever had which is usually your who? parents. Your parents, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Correct. The way your primary caregivers made you feel while you were growing up or even in the womb, even that. Yeah. If your mother was in an unstable environment, this is usually the most significant factors in your attachment style as an adult. So one thing I really highly recommend, never ever threaten your child with abandonment wow we all did it as parents you know we want to scare our children to behave in a certain way we say if you do this i will leave you here in the shopping center or i will leave you with grandma or yeah you know even sometimes you might be talking on the phone Mm. with a friend or with your mom and say i'm sick and tired of this child i wish if i could you know just just go away and leave them the child can hear that they can sense that and subconsciously, this creates the beginning of an unstable attachment style in children. So secure children had reliable caregivers. It's not that their parents never left their side. Actually, quite the opposite. Their parents could leave, but they always came back. And these children are described as usually less aggressive, less disruptive more mature, and in adulthood, more empathic. You know, it's so important to communicate with your child. If you're living it with a grandparent, for example, say, Mm. mommy's going to work, I will be back back. in two hours. Mm. So give them the assurance that you're going to come back. See, now, okay, I think I can speak for 90% of the human population when I say that childhood was not that rosy for the majority of people. (laughs) No, no, it isn't. We all are traumatized one way or another. Yeah. And for me, for example, as a refugee child, Mm -hmm. I had everything ripped away from me Mm -hmm. at the most critical 
developmental stage of my life. I lost no. my home, my extended family, my country, my language, my security. It was a deeply unstable childhood, but I've grown to become a very secure adult. Hmm. And that's a testament to your commitment to personal development. And I have to mention it here for parents, if you're listening yeah. right now. If your child expressing the same things that Nisha just expressed to me, look, I can go to a deep hole and becoming very guilty about what I did. Yeah, but you feel helpless. Yeah, you feel helpless. But I want to let everyone knows that at the time we don't know how to deal with our yeah. issues, with our kids, with our traumas, with the parenting. Yeah. So we all step into this unknown world, and of course. That creates some damage. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that you are absolutely doing wonderful with what you're doing. Yeah. You know, so that therapy, you meditate, you journal, you read, you listen to TED Talks and podcasts about growth and healing. Every time we have a cup yeah. of coffee in your show, yeah. we're, go we're going like through, a, through yeah. like a proper therapy session. These are all the things that are available to everyone in one form or another and they absolutely have done the job in allowing you to not to be controlled by trauma of your past that's yeah. very important and i wasn't always secure mm. far from it and mm. and you mentioned this yes. that i came to you a few years ago mm. very very damaged very you know traumatized mm. and i was very anxious and my attachment style was so mm chaotic and all over the place hmm. but I was able to heal you supported yes. me and in the past few years I just spent time removing bad relationships yes. from my life and mm. investing in healthy ones exactly and becoming curious you know yeah why I feel like that mm. why I allow this revisit come this. to my yeah. life revisit it and become more curious about yourself yeah and just surrounding myself with family close friends positive support mm. my god it has been so healing. Yes. And now in a strange way, I feel like I have a very secure attachment style because of my past. It's really, mm. I've rewritten that narrative mm. because I lost everything so suddenly. Mm. I now approach everything as this is a beautiful temporary experience. I yeah. can't hold on to it. I can only be present for it now mm -hmm. and know that when the time comes, it won't be in my life anymore. And just be grateful that I had mm. it for the time that I did. Yes. Those are the words of a very healed individuals. Thank and it's, it's very important to come to that Thank realization. You. Well, I suppose if I didn't focus on healing, the mm. alternative would be one of the other attachment styles, which is why my yeah. life and relationships yeah. was in such I, disarray. I always, yes, absolutely. I always tell my clients, you either focus on healing or focus on your trauma. Wow. And get what you're going to feel. You know, mm -hmm. you'd be re-traumatized every mm -hmm. day. But if you focus on healing, you will get a different response. Yeah. And so if um, we look at the childhood of people with avoidance attachment style, for example, what we see is that their caregivers went dependable. Yeah. They didn't respond to their child's crying or needs in infancy. I'm so disagree with those you know, suggesting parenting that leave your child in a room, let, let them, them cry. cry to sleep. Oh, I hate that. Absolutely. So I hate that. Children begin the very adaptable and intelligent beings that yeah. they are. Yeah. Learned to just not need care from 
from anyone. If they're from ignored. that moment, yeah. if they're ignored. And that's horrible. That's so heartbreaking. You always should, if you're listening and you are going to be a parent very soon, always attend yeah, to a child needs. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It is, they, they might not necessarily reject attention from their parents, but they don't seek it out either. These kids. So, yeah. yeah. So many parents you see later on, they go, oh, my child, we don't have any relationship. They, off they go, they don't even care Call, about me. they don't check in. Guess what? Guess who taught them that? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But don't feel guilty. You didn't know any better than that. Yeah. And it's similar to those with, with disorganized attachment style. These children are actually very fascinating okay. because their parents are so inconsistent. And this might be due to life events or perhaps their parents has a mental disorder, like borderline personality that never yeah. been diagnosed. diagnosed. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, the parents is good and loving and caring. The other times they are neglectful and even abusive. And mm. it creates an ability in the child to recognize chaotic pattern in behaviors. Wow. Yeah. When they are babies and still kind of figuring out, they are often described as very dazed, very confused, very distant. Mm. And when they are a little older, around five or six, we see something like very, very interesting. They actually adopt the role of the parents. They become the caregivers. And I see that. All the time. All the time. I kind of relate to that a little bit. Because when I was a child, you Mm. were thrown into such a terrifying, chaotic, unstable period. And you write about this Mm -hmm. in your book, Breaking Free, where we were escaping from Iran. Mm. You were a kid yourself. You were in your early 20s. And we went from a life Mm. in Iran surrounded by family and friends and home Mm. to becoming essentially homeless overnight, living in Turkey as refugees. Mm -hmm. So as a child... The experience with my caretakers was very unstable. Hmm. You were trying to give me a good childhood. Yes. Coloring books, home-cooked meals, activities. But you were also experiencing massive emotional turmoil, Hmm. anxiety, fear. And I was picking up on all of that and learning to read those patterns. Yes. And you're a very good example of this where a lot of your childhood and adolescence and even now in early adulthoods, you were described by older people as very mature. Yeah. I was the same. Yeah, Me I know too. so many, especially women yes. Yes. that had this. Yeah. Very wise beyond your years. And this is what we see in these kids. They are forced to grow up early and they have developed that love with their caregivers, They that the relationship they were in. Yeah. But children are very perceptive and they can understand that their caregiver is struggling with something. And so they step into the role of supporting the parent, which requires a very fast development of emotional intelligence. So again, and maturity. Look, back in my times, there was no podcast. There was no talks of therapy, even in the back of my, my, my parents' time. There were none of these. But if you are now listening to this podcast, be aware of if there is any turmoil going on in life or any conflict or crisis, keep that away from your children. Because for, for me, one of the most beneficial journeys that I went on mm. was recognizing that 
the way that I experienced childhood with you, there is so much that I was holding on to. And a lot of kids are holding on to where they go, I was forced to grow up so early because you Mm. weren't able to give me that. But when you become a little older and you are able to develop that empathy for your parents, and like you said, our parents, they didn't have therapy. They didn't Mm. have mental health awareness week. Mm. They didn't have stuff like, they didn't even know what the word trauma response was. Learning to forgive your parents for, and it's not, you're not forgiving them for them. Yes. You're forgiving them for yourself. Mm. You let go and you understand they weren't trying to be evil. Yeah. Absolutely. They weren't intending to damage me. Mm. And you know what? Even if they were, that again speaks to Mm. what happened to them Mm. in their childhood. Mm. And learning Mm. to kind of let go of that and move forward is really helpful. So forgiveness is part of healing. Yeah. And if you haven't done it so far and you're listening to this podcast, I highly recommend you to start your journey of forgiving Mm. your parents and start your journey in healing yeah again and i always um, drive this point you do not need to be defined by your trauma yeah we all experience things in our childhood that can be very damaging to us in adulthood but the difference is you have power now as an adult. Yeah. You're not a powerless child anymore. You're not the 12-year-old mm. or you're not even the 7-year-old. You have the ability now to rewrite your story. Yeah, reclaim in fact, your narrative. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, also help your parents to understand. Because I tell my clients when they're coming in and I said, who's sitting in the therapy? It's you and yeah. it's not your mom or your dad. So you have the power to change your life from within yeah. and people around you also will automatically be yeah, affected. Absolutely. So take control of your life. You may have a very anxious attachment style now, but it doesn't have to stay that way. We aren't born perfect, stable, happy, healthy beings. That's the goal. That's what we journey towards. That's the evolution of your identity. And it takes work. It takes patience. And it takes consistency. So if you're in a relationship right now or mm. seeking one. Yeah. And you're listening to this and you relate to some of the stuff we spoke about. How do you break out of that pattern? Very good question. Yeah. So the first thing is I highly recommend you to get to know your nervous system. What makes you anxious? What makes you panic? And learn ways to calm your nervous system down so that you aren't at its mercy. Wow. You know, your nervous system from that childhood learned to panic as soon as, Mm. you know, the person that you're attached to is going to go and never going to come back. So it's learned that way. Learn how to regulate your emotions. You might ask how? Yeah. Okay. Mindfulness practices, breathing exercises, reflection. Mm. These words are thrown around a lot, I know, but most of these horrible feelings and horrible thoughts are because your nervous system has been activated without you even having control over yeah. it. Yeah. I'm wow. now inviting you to start having control over mm. those feelings and thoughts. 
and breeding exercises aren't just a, you know, spiritual magic woo-woo thing that some people think it is. Yeah, it's actually biohacking, right? Absolutely, yes. In psychology, we call these panic responses protest behaviors. Protest behaviors. That's interesting. Yes, okay. Yes. The things you do to, to protest against stress or bad feeling. Mm. Do you run away during an argument, for example, or, yeah. or do you hang up the phone or stop responding? Do you panic and call and call like 30 times you make yeah. a call if, if your partner didn't answer your call you or text spamming. after text after text? These aren't helpful behaviors you know okay well for me mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. in the middle of an argument i just feel very overwhelmed and yeah. i feel like i need to just take some time out if the conversation's too heated i can't be there anymore i just need to like just get up and leave is that bad no, no that's absolutely okay but you need to communicate this mm-hmm. with the person you're having an argument with right that makes a world of difference Instead of putting on your shoes and storm out of the door and say, I'm not having this conversation, I'm leaving, which leaves your partner feeling very confused, anxious, worried. Instead, you can say, I'm very distressed right now. I need to take a walk to clear my head and I'll be back in 15 minutes, 30 minutes or one hour, Mm. whatever you need. But you need to communicate communicate that. Wow. Yeah, that's so much more helpful. Mm. understand your protest behaviors and take back control because you can really damage your relationship if your nervous system gets triggered all the time. Mm. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way, Mm -hmm. doesn't it? Because you're so worried about a relationship ending Mm. that you panic and Mm. cause all this damage and then Mm. the relationship does end. Mm. And sometimes actually people do that. On purpose. It's a self-sabotage. I I, I just wanted to make him feel scared or I wanted him to come after me and get me. I'm guilty of that. I'm very guilty of that. Well, I used to be. I'm learning to not carry those negative behaviors, the protest behaviors, Mm. which is a new word Mm. I've learned Mm. today. Mm. Trying not to carry that into... Because it really turns what can be a constructive conversation into Mm. a destructive argument. Yes, absolutely. So we talked about this before. Do not expect your partner to read your mind. Yeah. You need to communicate that. So yeah. if, you feel, if you feel like, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm expecting my partner to come chase after me. But you don't say that. You don't say that. You actually, when everything is calmed down and you're good, you know, you know what? Sometimes when I'm upset, I like to be spoiled a little bit. Come to me. Come yeah. ask me why am I upset or how you can make a difference. Because I for remember me. I was telling you uh, an argument that I had and I stormed out and I, I was like, I'm really upset because I just wanted my partner to come after me. And you said, Well, what if your partner was respecting your wishes? Exactly. <laughs> and what if your partner was thinking, Oh, they, they just need space. I'm going to respect that. Exactly. So without that communication, yeah. they think they're doing a good job. They, yeah, exactly. They think, Oh my God, I'm going to give her. As much as the space, space as she, she needs, needs. Yeah. <laughs> a day or two days. And I'm thinking like, oh my God, that's how little they value our relationship. Exactly. Yeah. So what I suggest is it's very important for you to revisit your childhood and understand what happened there. Mm. How has it impacted your ability to form healthy 
stable attachment as an adult. Understand your nervous system. What causes you to panic? For example, ask yourself, what causes me to panic? What causes me to exhibit protest behaviors? And lastly, invest in healing. Seek out therapy, seek out books and podcasts like this one where you are given tools and support in your journey of personal development. You owe it to yourself and to your loved one to heal, to grow, to evolve. There's Mm. plenty um, books, for example, if you visit our website. Um, And another thing with attachment, again, we go back to um, boundaries, setting boundaries. It's very important that you can negotiate and you can communicate with your partner about the things that are important for you. So go there and listen to our podcast about boundaries and we have a workbook that you can also download that yeah it's amazing and we spoke about a lot of stuff today Mm -hmm. a lot of childhood trauma so if you feel like you need to talk to a professional please reach out to us for a free consultation you don't have to pay anything just jump on our website www.theprojectofyou.com.au Absolutely. And we have to mention it's 15 minutes. Free. Yes, free, free 15 minute consultation. Or or you can jump on and book a session. Yeah, well. or, or reach out to your own therapist if you have one. And please continue to send us your request and kind words. We love reading your emails and comments. Yeah. It's very encouraging. And as always, we'll leave you with an affirmation to sum up what we've discussed today. So repeat this to yourself if you're listening. I can heal at any time. There is a wealth of tools, support, and knowledge available to me. I'm not defined by my past. I can take control of my life. Beautiful. Yes. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.